Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Monday, August 14th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You can always follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll take your phone calls in this hour around 11.15. But as we typically do to get things started here for hour number two in the Extra Point, let's reset the seen with an update on the poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question in regards to the pittsburgh steelers we had a chat with ray fittipaldo of the pittsburgh post gazette and you've missed the conversation podcasted over at kdos1060.com or with the kdos1060 app over under eight and a half wins here for the steelers rays on the overside and the masses are also on the overside to the tune of 57 percent of the vote under sitting at 43 percent the Steelers have never finished below 500 still, and uh, Mike Tomlin's now 16 seasons. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, you know, you would think that uh, you know to challenge in this division, which uh, I think we've mentioned several times, and uh, over the last you know couple of months, we expect this to be a very competitive division uh, to be, uh, compete for you know a division title or a playoff situation that they're going to have to finish over eight and a half wins. Uh, we'll answer that question around 11.30, so still time for you to cast your vote. On Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, Bob had a conversation in the 9 o'clock hour with George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin talking all things Indianapolis Colts. Podcast that as well. Over under six and a half wins. The under remains out in front at 75% of the vote, over 25%. And George mentioned uh, under, in his opinion, too, under six and a half. And obviously, uh, it seems like a yearly event, at least since Andrew Luck uh, abruptly retired and stayed retired uh, before the 2016 or 17 season, one of those two, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, But uh, since then, they've had a different starting quarterback every year. I don't think we really know yet who is going to be the different starting quarterback in week one for this year, uh, whether it's Anthony Richard uh, Richardson or uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, but uh, one of those two guys will be the starting quarterback unless there's unfortunate two quarterback injuries in the preseason, but then it'd still be a different starting quarterback if it's like the third guy. I don't even know who the third guy is. Uh, so uh, We'll see what happens with that. It's six and a half wins. It's a bad division, but I'd like to sit here and say I could make a case for them to go over six and a half wins, but it's going to be pretty difficult for me to come up with a case by the time we get to the poll question answer at the bottom of the hour. We'll answer that question, as you mentioned, around 1130. The Arizona Cardinals, they picked up a preseason win 18-17 to over the Broncos. Let's get Aaron Decker's preseason game one notebook. 
Football is officially back. Its arrival came when the Arizona Cardinals and Denver Broncos faced off at State Farm Stadium on Friday for their first preseason games. The Cardinals ultimately came out on top with an 18-17 victory over the Broncos. The win was secured by a game-winning drive from quarterback David Blau, who in the final minute and a half of the game led the team on a 10-play, 75-yard drive, ending in a touchdown pass to Brian Cobbs. But the Cardinals were still down one point. Head coach Jonathan Gannon decided to go for a two-point attempt and the play call was a run up the middle by Amari DiMercato who was pushed into the end zone by his offensive line after seeming to be stuffed at the line ultimately earning the win. But we all know preseason games are all about the glimpses we can get from the starters who will be playing on week one. For the Cardinals they rested a handful of players who are projected starters such as James Conner, Marquise Brown, DJ Humphreys, and Buda Baker to name a few. So what was good from Friday's matchup? Well the pass rush looked stellar. Outside linebacker Zay Collins and Dennis Gardeck only had a few series, but they made their mark. Collins came out of the gate pressuring Russell Wilson, and Gardeck caused a forced fumble on a sack to Wilson. Even the second team group of Cameron Thomas and Jesse Loquetta showed promise. Thomas came out of the night with a sack and a tackle for a loss. On the offensive side, a lot of eyes were on rookie offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr., who held his own. At times, he did a great job keeping his defender in front of him, but also had a few plays where the defender sped by him. Another rookie getting a lot of attention at training camp is rookie QB Clayton Toon. Toon came on after Colt McCoy played in one drive. Toon played about three quarters and had a rocky start throwing an interception during his first drive. But as the game went on, Toon got more acclimated and by the end was able to sustain a 10-play drive culminating in a seven-yard touchdown pass to Caden Davis. Toon looked to be going through his progressions well enough but did seem to rely on scrambling once his first read wasn't an option. That is going to be it for this rundown of the Arizona Cardinals' victory over the Denver Broncos. The team will stay at home next week when they face the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, on Saturday. So Aaron there had a few highlights of a lot of the things that I was prepared to watch and pay attention to ahead of preseason game number one. So let's talk about that pass rush here. Zayvon Collins, he was on my preseason game pre-watch list. Uh, he definitely stood out to me getting a pressure on the first possession. He also sniffed out a run play going across the line to make the play. In addition to that, uh, Cameron Thomas is somebody that Aaron mentioned. And I think for me, I'll be adding him to the next preseason game watch list because if he can make a huge step forward as being uh, you know, a draft pick from just a few years ago, that would really help uh, this defense if you could get someone young like Cameron Thomas to take that next leap. Yeah, I don't disagree that those guys did a good thing, but if you take a look at preseason games, especially early in the preseason, almost always the defensive front has an edge over the offensive line, which is you know, had almost no contact. You know, we were, you know, I know there's practice and there's contact in practice, but, you know, it's not amped up at all. There's no tackling or anything like that for the most part unless somebody just rambunctious and tackles somebody when they probably shouldn't. Uh, so almost always these early – I know that somebody – I don't know who it was. I apologize. But some team had 10 sacks over the weekend, the, their first preseason game. Almost always historically – the first you know, game of the preseason, especially when you have you know some backup offensive linemen and and so forth out there, sometimes even though uh, the Broncos did play a lot of their first team guys, but they didn't have all their first team offensive line out there. Uh, so you know whatever happens in this first game, you know, the last thing I think uh, I pay attention to is 
giving credit to anybody would be the defensive front. It's good, I guess, that they got to the quarterback some, and a few different guys did, but I didn't see anything on Friday night that made me think that, wow, that's something that's going to you know carry into the regular season. Uh, when it comes to the other areas on the defense that I was going to pay attention to was Isaiah Simmons starting free safety here. Uh, he was on my watch list. I mean, I noticed he was on the field, but I didn't notice anything spectacular or I didn't notice anything bad either. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. thought really the only guy in the secondary that uh, you know, did anything that got my attention is Keytrell Clark, uh, who you know, we've heard from Aaron and – and, you know, we went to a practice, uh, the red-white practice, a couple of Saturdays ago. Uh, he certainly made some plays there, and he seems to have some ball skills. And that happened a couple times again on Friday night. Yeah, he definitely stood out to me. Uh, flipping this to the offensive side of the ball, uh, Colt McCoy, he uh, had one series for Colt. Then everything was Clayton Toon there for the rest of the first half. Uh, I don't put that interception on him. Rondell Moore no. there uh, certainly slipped, fell down the field. I think there the, the pass that Russell Wilson completed, our defender slipped and fell down as well. So uh, the field, I think, at times had some major issues there. So I don't put that interception reception on tune again i continue to notice just how uh the ball comes out with so much zip with tune he did have some good he did have some balls that certainly sailed sailed on him a bit but getting that experience i think was helpful yeah i agree with that and uh i think that uh yeah what we've kind of surmised here after the one practice we attended on friday night with the game is that he seems to be very, uh, I think, uh, you know, efficient and effective and accurate and plays you know, short passes. Uh, anything to the outside seems to be a bit of kind of a hit or miss proposition where you know, various ways hit or miss. Definitely. Uh, and I think probably just with some time, he'll you, you would hope that there's going to be some growth there for him in time of connecting up on those shots, but he certainly isn't afraid to take some deeper shots. Uh, sticking with the offensive side of the ball, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, for me, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't awful now going up against somebody other than the same defensive front that he's been seeing. And as Aaron mentioned, there were a few plays that definitely stood out to me where his defender uh, did beat him. Yeah, I think he was a turnstile more than a blocker, quite frankly. And once again, I'm going to go back to what I said about when we talked about the Cardinals' pass rush. Uh, not that surprised that uh, there was a pass rush from the Broncos in that game. And in fact, yeah, once the first-team Cardinals' offensive line left that game, uh, that was part of Toon's situation. He was, uh, I know Aaron mentioned he uh, you know, took off a few times. I think he had to take off because he had no chance on some of those plays. It was... Uh, I don't even know if he had time to make one look and a throw on uh, at least you know, you know, four or five of those you know, 23 pass attempts. And you know, he had probably you know, 25 or 30 dropbacks if you just consider the times that he had to run for his life or just throw it away. So uh, you know, the offensive line was not good. I was not impressed at all with Mr. Johnson, however. 
Uh, yeah, the offensive line, you know, obviously DJ Humphreys, I'm fine that he didn't play. We know what DJ Humphreys is going to do at that left tackle mm-hmm. position there. So no issues on that front here. Michael Wilson at wide receiver. Uh, he did have a couple of balls thrown his way and he did make a tough catch which extended the drive to get a first down he was right at the chains there Sean Payton thought he could get a a challenge in there but uh first down for the Arizona Cardinals that's true uh he's he seems to be you know know, limited we set to see him at Stanford he was injured uh, quite a bit when he was at Stanford uh he certainly uh you know talked about Clark with ball skills and uh yeah it's good when you have a receiver that has ball skills and he certainly has that uh, as far as uh, just the overall offense goes, you know, I mentioned the offensive line. Uh, I've got real questions about that even before the season started, before we saw anything. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, I will say one thing is when the, you know, starters weren't out there, quote, unquote, I know Humphreys didn't play, but when the starters weren't out there, everybody else that was out there, whether it be second or third team guys or however deep they went into the depth chart, those guys were terrible. Uh, the other thing that was certainly on my list of things to pay attention to was the offensive operations. Uh, you know, were, were plays getting in? Because also, Drew Petzing is trying to figure out if he's going to call plays from the sideline or if he's going to call plays from the booth. He was on the sideline for this contest. We'll wait to see if he's going to move up to the booth in week two's preseason contest. But just wanted to see the offensive operation there, uh, plays getting in and out. Also, discipline and penalties, because discipline. Discipline and penalties seem to creep up a lot there in that red and white practice we we watched. And so uh, that was certainly those two areas on my list of things to pay attention to for uh, preseason game one. Yeah, I think penalties are kind of hard to judge. Uh, I know that there was like one game where there was 20-something penalties. I guess that was the Chargers game the other night. But, uh, you know, penalties in the preseason I don't pay much attention to them unless you have one guy who is continually penalized and that just always gets your attention whether it's a preseason game or a regular season game actually I think the most important thing that happened to the Cardinals in the last few days is that Dak Ertz has been cleared uh, Zach Ertz has been cleared for football activities and uh, can he do enough between now and the start of the regular season for the Cardinals to maybe trade him uh, and so you have that news this morning about him being cleared for uh, activities for the Arizona Cardinals as he is recovering from that ACL injury. Uh, in addition to anything else that caught your attention um, from the game, uh, what caught my attention as well was just paying attention to the Broncos a little bit. I was just curious to see how Russell Wilson was going to look. And then also with Brett Maher as one of the kickers trying to win the kicking job for Denver he missed a field goal he missed a couple of other other times as well so that was just a continuation of watching Brett Maher and you have to to feel sorry for him a bit okay I didn't quite frankly pay hardly any attention to the Broncos uh so yeah obviously I noticed Wilson but uh I didn't I, I didn't even realize who was kicking and from you know, did he kick the whole game like I said I no, apologize. It was my a... apologies I'm, I'm only paying attention to the Cardinals really 
Matt Prater missed a field goal and paying attention to that, it was Nolan Cooney on the hold because the other thing we're paying attention to is uh, who's going to win the punting position battle. And uh, it seems like Matt Hawk is, he was first to punt. He's also been holding uh, other opportunities for Matt Prater. So the Matt Prater miss was a Nolan Cooney hold. Yeah, I think that is noteworthy because when we were there a couple of Saturdays ago, to my recollection, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Hawk held on every placement that I saw, whether it be, you know, just in special teams drills or the actual field goal attempts that they had during that practice. Uh, that uh, I don't remember any 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 uh, Prater kicks that Hawk was not holding. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. Certainly if you have any reaction to Cardinals preseason game number one. We'll get into a little bit more. Uh, ASU football was at Camp T. Uh, the 76ers have a bit of an issue on their hands now with James Harden. Also some other NFL notes from the preseason contest from around the weekend. So plenty of little diversified topics to get into on the other side of the break. But your phone calls if you'd like to join 602 602- 262-260-1060 is the number 602-260-1060 it is monday it is august 14th it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060 is the number. So for ASU football, they continued the tradition of Camp T, uh, brought it back with Kenny Dillingham here. And they had their scrimmage on Saturday. Some news coming out of Camp T. Quarterback Drew Pine left Camp T's scrimmage on Saturday with a hamstring injury. Kenny Dillingham calling it a minor hamstring tear and that they'll be waiting for more test results to find out the true severity there of that particular situation. Uh, Rashada ended up getting a lot of reps on Saturday and Dillingham still not ready to name a starter, wants to get the full picture of Pine's injury, but I'd have to think at this point most of the signs are going to point to Trenton Borgay. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I kind of stand the same place with the Cardinals and the Sun Devils this year. I would be really surprised if either of them were, you know, very good. I think that uh, both of them are, you know, certainly the Cardinals. Most people believe they have the uh, worst talent level, the most, the the fewest NFL level players of any team in the league. And, you know, if it wasn't for Stanford, I think you'd make that case for ASU in the Pac 12. Uh, the other bit of injury news here, and this is definitely uh, more severe, is defensive back Montana Warren is going to be out six to eight weeks, maybe longer after injuring himself on Friday with a shoulder injury, and he was seen in a sling. So a couple of things injury note-wise coming out of Saturday's scrimmage there from Camp T. 
Moving our attention over to some other contests around the NFL for preseason games, you had uh, the Raiders and the 49ers going up against each other. Jimmy Garoppolo did not play for the Raiders. It was an Aiden O'Connell game, and everyone's praising him today. 15 of 18, 141 yards, one touchdown. For the 49ers, though, they basically didn't play any of their first team on either side of the ball. Trey Lance got the start. He took four sacks, 10 of 15, 112 yards, one touchdown for the 49ers. Okay. Uh, You know, the Raiders are headed to the Super Bowl, apparently. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to this because I don't watch any of these preseason games against the Cardinals because I have to watch them. Okay, so uh, for the Saints and the Chiefs here, a couple of things stood out because of Derek Carr uh, just kind of monitoring to see how he uh, performed with his new team. And certainly he had a great performance rolling uh, out six of eight, 70 yards, one touchdown. And of course, you wanted to see Michael Thomas in action. And the big news, though, for them injury wise is that the reports about running back Kendra Miller, who suffered a knee sprain and will undergo additional testing. So still waiting waiting to see uh, how that unfolds for already a situation at the running back spot where they're going to be without Alvin Kamara for three games to start the year. Yeah, I just saw a thing in the last hour or so that Miller is expected to be back you know, by week one. I'm not sure how that fits in, but it might fit in because, you know, obviously Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended for the first three games of the season. I don't think, you know, Benjamin was ever a factor, but he's obviously out for the season with an Achilles injury that he suffered a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, just uh, the early part of practice that particular day. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. Uh, Jamal Williams is there. So uh, he was a touchdown machine last year in Detroit. Uh, so maybe that's it. And remember, they actually worked out Kareem Hunt last week. Uh, he worked out for the Colts and New Orleans. To my knowledge, he hasn't signed with anybody yet. Uh, so, and I think he was supposed to work out for the Chiefs, but I'm not sure if he did that or not. I believe, if I remember correctly from back in the day, that was uh, his first team with the Chiefs. The Chargers and the Rams, the much-anticipated new-look Chargers. How is this all going to operate with Justin Herbert? Kellen Moore calling the offensive plays. Well, we'll have to wait to find out because Justin Herbert and the first team didn't play. The Rams also didn't play much of their starters with a Stetson Bennett getting much of the workload. He was 17 of 29, 191 yards, one touchdown. Uh, so certainly the overreaction has been about Stetson Bennett and his potential NFL career. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly, you know, the Rams almost never play any of their starters in, in the preseason. However, this is a little different because they don't have all the veteran players they've had in the past. The Ravens and the Eagles, neither team played their starting quarterbacks, but all eyes were on uh, the young players on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles with tackle Jalen Carter. He flashed. Also, his teammate Nolan Smith did. So uh, certainly it seemed like a lot of the reaction was, goodness gracious, this Eagles defense that was as good as they are uh, got these two great Georgia Bulldogs to just continue to further their defense. That's true. I don't think that's terribly surprising that uh, guys from Georgia are good. Uh, the one thing I do know that happened in this game is the Eagles lost, you know, perhaps, you know, arguably, if not their best special teams player, uh, one of their best special teams player, uh, Sean Bradley's out for the season. He tore his Achilles. 
Uh, then you have the Jets and the Panthers here. Uh, I don't take anything away from it being a shutout, but Bryce Young, 4 of 6, 21 yards, 1 sack, and it really seemed apparent that the Panthers' offensive line didn't protect Young at all as he was hit three of the seven times he went back to pass. I don't know if that's a combination of Bryce Young just kind of being young in those particular situations or the offensive line, which was a unit that was expected to be fairly decent, uh, just kind of struggling there. Yeah, my first question is, you know, shouldn't there be some better pass protection scheme possibly uh, for your new quarterback to get smacked around? I didn't know it was that bad, uh, but uh, that's that's not a good thing. Uh, I don't know if he had any passes batted down. That's about the only thing I would pay any attention uh, to with Bryce Young in the preseason, though, unless he's just getting battered to a pulp. That would be a bad thing no matter what. Uh, the Bears and the Titans here, the talk of the town is Justin Fields. The big plays that they had came in uh, yards after the catch, but whether or not Justin Fields and this Bears team is going to take that next leap here uh, as they face the Titans. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I'll be shocked if Justin Fields, as I said this even before, uh, he ever played the game in the NFL even before he got drafted. I'm an Ohio State fan, and I just don't know if he has the accuracy or ability to scan the field with accuracy to be a good NFL quarterback. So he can run. We know that, but uh, I don't think that's changed any. But uh, I, I think it's a highly questionable whether he's ever going to be a really good NFL quarterback. I hope I'm wrong. Seems to be a good kid. Also, when he was at Ohio State, he really got hit a lot. And then last year, of course, he got hit tons of times. He learns how, needs to learn how to protect himself. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't get smacked around the preseason like Bryce Young did, apparently. Uh, the Falcons and the Dolphins here. Interesting because there's a whole lot happening that's new for the Falcons, but they basically sat everyone. The Dolphins also sat everyone, but it showcased that they have a serious backup quarterback problem. Well, they had a, you know, they played, they had a, they scrimmaged against each other last week, so I'm guessing that most of the ones got their time then. Uh, and then you have, in addition to that, the Commanders and the Browns, and Watson looked good, so a lot of people with high hopes for the Browns when you were looking at their season win totals, which is a team that we'll be covering a little bit later on in the week, uh, if Deshaun Watson can get back to the form that he had when he was with Houston. Yeah, I'm sure it helps him that he's been had a full offseason and training camp, etc. I mean, last year he did the training camp and then what, probably a few preseason games and then had to take, like, was it 11 games off because of the suspension? So the end of the game thing, I think, was just their end of the year, excuse me, uh, is inaccuracy and just you know lack of effectiveness. So I don't know if that uh, you know could have expected a, a whole lot. Uh, so you know at least he gets a start from he has a he had a real off season from start to now. Uh, switching gears here and going into the land of the NBA, uh, the 76ers over the weekend decided to end trade talks surrounding James Harden and that the plan is for him to be part of the 76ers for training camp. You then had tons of reports coming out that uh, James Harden has no plans of being there for training camp. Then you have Sham Sharania posting a video of Harden saying to a group, quote, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization 
that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. So things are going really well in Philadelphia. <laughs> that's not a good thing. And that's, this is the one guy that is, you know, I think you've been his biggest fan. You know, Morey's been Harden's biggest fan, whether you know, he was the, the general manager, and I don't know if it was general manager's official title, but he was in charge of, you know, the player personnel and uh, all that stuff. And the de facto general manager, if he wasn't the quote general manager in Houston and then in Philadelphia, you know, he went out and got hardened again. So it seemed like that they had a pretty good relationship, and he was the, the you know, I can't imagine there's been anybody in the NBA that is. You know, really kind of uh, you know, you know, supported Harden more, at least publicly, and it seems seemed to be privately. So uh, it seems like that uh, there that relationship is uh, a little little fractured at this point. Definitely fractured, uh, to say the least. I I have to imagine that all of this kind of stems around uh, financial. Uh, things you know you had the situation with Harden kind of taking a bit of a pay cut there to to make all the the moves and the books work in the last offseason so I'm wondering if that has something to do with it heading into this season then the trade not being able to get done curious about how all of that is going to go uh, and unfold because you also have new head coach Nick Nurse for the the 76ers here plus they have the season opener the 76ers at the Bucks on October 26th that TNT has and the Suns at the late game Suns at the Lakers but uh, certainly there's expectations for the 76ers this year there are expectations for them every year and uh, they've yet to get to the conference finals with Joel Embiid uh, as the main guy uh, Christmas Day here, if you haven't seen it. The Bucks are at the Knicks, the 76ers are at the Heat, Celtics at the Lakers, Mavs at the Suns, and the Warriors are at the Nuggets. So the Suns will be getting a Christmas Day game. Okay. I guess that means the NBA thinks they're going to be good. Uh, you get the uh, you know the game in L.A., the first game, and uh, it gives you a, an idea looking at the schedule. It kind of tells you what the league thinks of, of you. And uh, obviously they got lots of uh, eyeballs because of their main cast of characters. Will the national audience like their bench? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's poll question time. We'll get into the Steelers win-loss total over under eight and a half wins. We'll get into the Indianapolis Colts over under six and a half wins. We'll dive into that next right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Eleven forty here on K. 
KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's dive into it. It's poll question time. Bob and I had a conversation with Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette talking all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you missed it, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But that's part of the uh, poll question today, the KDOS1060.com poll question. Over under eight and a half wins for the Steelers. What say you? Uh, I say over, but I'm not betting it. Uh, but, yeah, Ray mentioned over. Uh, so, and Ray's not, we've had Ray on for many years, and he's not a Pittsburgh homer. He's not going to just see what uh, you know, some other people say. Uh, so, and he, uh, he brought up some good points, really good points. It seems as if the offensive line, which did get a little bit better during the season last year, along with Pickett, uh, that has a chance to improve a little more this year. Uh, I just don't trust Kenny Pickett right now. I don't trust the offensive coordinator. Uh, I don't trust the receivers, quite frankly, uh, because it wasn't all a Pickett problem. They dropped a lot of passes uh, last year. So if I had to bet it, which I'm not going to, I'd bet the over uh, nine and a half. But what I am interested in doing is uh, early in the season uh, to look to play some of these games under the total. They play San Francisco, Cleveland, uh, and uh, Baltimore in three of their first five games of the season. Not only do those figure to be lower-scoring games, also those are three teams that I think uh, are going to try to run the ball. I think that Pittsburgh is going to try to run the ball, and when they do throw, I don't think it's going to be air picket at any point. So interesting. Early in the season, I'm you know looking to play some of these games under the total week by week. I would lean in the direction of over here for the Steelers, but I think question marks are on whether or not this offense can open itself up. Uh, you know, and and I, I don't mean open up in, as you pointed out, like air Kenny Pickett here, but at least just not be three yards in a cloud of dust, like actually kind of sustain some drives here and, and move the ball down the field. Um, and I think to be able to get some of the wide receivers involved as well and, and just have a little bit more continuity on the offense side of the ball so uh, I think that all of those pieces uh, they certainly have the talent there whether or not you can get the play call designs in to make it all come to fruition I think for me is still a bit of a question mark here however it's hard oh sorry were you going to say something no I'm sorry go ahead uh however Mike Tomlin finds ways to win games. It's remarkable how that happens. Sometimes it's just like sheer will. Uh, sometimes that sheer will is from TJ Watt. Uh, this is absolutely bonkers that, you know, last year they were one in six without him. Uh, and then they won all those games with him. Like he is so important to the defensive side of the ball. I'm curious to see, you know, the additions as well of Joey Porter Jr. When he starts to get some more playing time, Patrick Peterson coming over and how that defense defense is all going to to come to fruition even in a really tough AFC North I still think that it's possible for them to get over eight and a half wins but as we were discussing the roster or not the roster the schedule construction in our number one they certainly have to take advantage of weeks one through six uh, because the weeks 16 through 18 could be really challenging Absolutely, they are. Let me add a little more on uh, the Watt thing on your side there. Is uh, when they had Watt last year, they uh, only allowed 16.9 points per game. When he did not play, it was 
10.3, almost 10 points per game more. Wow. Uh, that's amazing in a team sport for one player to have so much impact like that. Uh, under eight and a half wins, though, is what the masses are on at 60% of the vote. Over eight and a half sitting at 40%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob had a conversation with George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin talking all things Indianapolis Colts podcast at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. So over under six and a half wins for the Colts here. All right, let me just start with this. Is Jonathan Taylor playing? Is Jonathan Taylor healthy? Is the offensive line going to be better? Who is the starting quarterback? These are all some, I think, important questions here for the Indianapolis Colts. I think it's going to be a pretty big rebuilding project here for Indianapolis. Um, they needed a lot of fixing heading into the season. And now you have a new head coach. You have major question marks. Uh, do you believe in Gardner Minshew if he's the starter? If not, Anthony Richardson might get the start. And there's probably going to be some rookie growing pains with all of that. Uh, so I would say that there's no way I could even think about the over six and a half wins I'd say under I agree with you and that's kind of hard to say because of this division is not exactly the greatest division in the history of football or it's not the uh, the, the uh, division with you know the NFC North that we excuse me the AFC North that we just talked about with the Steelers uh, they have an interesting first five games I think they would actually be better off if they were going to you know, start the season with Gardner Minshew to have some success early in the season because in the first games at Jacksonville, and I'm not nearly as high on Jacksonville as seemingly planet Earth, uh, then they play at Houston at Baltimore is going to be tough. But three of their first five games are against Houston, and then the home games against the Rams in Tennessee. And if Minshew is the starting quarterback, I think they have a chance to hang in there. And I'm guessing, as you mentioned, is Taylor going to play? Let's just say that he is going to play and be back by then. Uh, that would give them an opportunity to get off to a good start. They also have a couple of interesting stretches here. They have one home game between November the 5th and December 16th. One home game. They play at Carolina. Who knows what's up with them? Uh, other than Bryce Young apparently getting hit every play so far in preseason. Uh, they play against New England and Germany. Then they have a bye week. They play Tampa Bay at home, which is, I don't think, good team, a good team. But are they any better than, you know, who's better, Indianapolis or Tampa? They play at Tennessee and then at Cincinnati. So that's their, you know, they have one home game in that, that stretch. And that's home against Tampa. So that's like a must-win game, I guess. Their last four uh, last four games, they do have three home games. So if for some reason, then shockingly, they're really good. Uh, I think that they have a very workable schedule at the end of the year. They have a home game against Pittsburgh. They go to Atlanta, which you know, who knows what's up with them because of their quarterback situation with Desmond Ritter. They play home against Las Vegas and home against Houston. Not exactly expected to be heavyweights in the AFC. Uh, so they have a chance to you know, start strong or start okay and finish okay in the middle there. And that you know, there's not many teams in the league, and I will have the uh, you know, actual documentation here, but there's not too many teams that have one home game in a six-week stretch. 
The masses are on the underside at 75% of the vote, over trailing at 25% on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. We'll mention it uh, throughout the week here, but the AFC South, the Jaguars minus 155 to win the division, the Titans plus 310, the Colts plus 550, and the Texans 10 to 1. I was really surprised to see this here, that there are Anthony Richardson numbers out there for his his passing. We, we don't know for sure yet if he is confirmed to be the starter. Uh, but over 2,575 and a half yards, minus 112. Michael Pittman, over 800 and a half yards for him, over minus 108, under minus 118. And there was no line for Jonathan Taylor. There's no way I could bet Pittman over. I mean, he's he was double teamed a lot last year. I can't imagine that's going to be a whole lot different this year with a less experienced quarterback. And yeah, Matt Ryan had some, you know, if you just look at the totality of it all, he had some not-so-good numbers last year, but he actually had some really good games. And Pickett had, uh, excuse me, and Pittman had a couple of really good receiving games because of that. Uh, I can't imagine. I would be stunned if Anthony Richardson was a uh, you know suddenly right off the bat the accurate passer from what we've seen from the University of Florida that would be a stunning development I would be interested in Anthony Richardson and maybe this is more of an in-game play for him uh his rushing yards that's true in fact they just showed a as you were saying that on sports center right now they're showing a touchdown of anthony richardson going like 75 <laughs> yards in a game again when he was in florida oh perfect so, timing yeah excellent so i just looked up and happened to be as soon as you said that i just was temporarily distracted there and by the anthony richard richardson play i think that play was against utah in fact last year at the first game of the season but that would probably be the way that I would deploy him or look into it uh, if he is going to be the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. But we wrap up this edition of Extra Point, this Monday, August 14th edition of Extra Point. On the other side of the break, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. One more to go. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Monday, August 14th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else up to the cracks. Also our guest today, Colts preview with George Bremer of the Herald-Ton Bulletin. And uh, George has the Colts under six and a half wins this season. And also a Steelers preview with Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He has the Steelers over 8.5. Also, our football previews continue on Wednesday at 9.15 with the Titans, 10.15 with the Jags. 
Also, Sound of the Day, courtesy of NBC, NFL Network, MLB, uh, KLAA, and also WJLA. Uh, and uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Coming up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo uh, with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West tonight from 7 to 8. The Diamondbacks are at Colorado facing the Rockies tonight. It's a 540 start. Dbacks.com slash watch to find uh, the channel that best services you. And so, Bob... If you were a college person going to Tennessee, how excited would you be to potentially have Professor Peyton Manning? It looks like uh, Peyton Manning apparently is joining the College of Communication and Information at Tennessee as a, quote, featured expert alongside the faculty. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're going to Tennessee, you're maybe a fan of his anyway. But you have to be, I guess, an older student, right? Because he didn't play there in the in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, interesting here uh, that he's going to be a part of the faculty here. As long if you know he wasn't busy enough already, he's adding more duties to his list of uh, activities for himself. Uh, in addition to that, you already mentioned here that tight end Zach Ertz cleared for football activity, according to NFL Network this morning, and that he would be on track for Week One. Uh, some other news from camps around uh, the NFL today here. It looks like running back J.K. Dobbins, who has not yet practiced during training camp for the Ravens, is being activated off of the pup list today. In addition to that, uh, not good. Another contract situation there, too. Speculation that he's really not hurt. So just wants a new deal. Uh, and stunning development. It's from the running back position. <laughs> that would be true. Uh, kind of a Jonathan Taylor type of thing, maybe, depending on what's going on with Taylor, who apparently did not practice today. We were wondering, you know, the, the vague comments from Steichen about uh, they expect him to return to practice this week. Uh, so, but he wasn't out there today, apparently. Uh, the or, actually, actually, I apologize. I think he might have been out there, but he wasn't practicing. Well, that's I guess a step in the right direction that he's there on on site. That's true. He, he was not even there the last week, at least. Uh, the Panthers wide receiver Terrace Marshall was carted off of the practice field today, so that is one injury that has taken place. That's not great news. That's true. And uh, he was at LSU in the heyday of Joe Burrow and all those other receivers. He was part of that group. And, uh, you know, there, is, uh, there are plenty of people that think he has an NFL future. I know he was beat up some last year, too, so not good start to his first uh, couple, quote, seasons in the NFL. The Women's World Cup is set. Spain and Sweden, Australia and England. Australia, though, to get into the semis, they beat France following 20 penalty kicks. That's a record in the World Cup. Men or women's side of things needing 20 penalty kicks to get it done. <laughs> That'll do it for, I can't imagine the heart palpitations that are going on and 20 penalty kicks that's a nerve-wracking thing in itself and then you have to go through 20 of them holy smokes that'll do it for this monday edition of extra point have everyone have yourselves a great day